Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back at a Chuckery Show. Halfway home on this Thursday evening with you. 404-741-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey apps how you catch us on the go. Social media is at 929 The Game. At JMCH316. At DD Lewis for real on our Twitter page. Uh, 1040 tonight. We're going to talk about the uh, Saudi Arabia pay-per-view from uh, WWE. We... Um, uh, didn't get a chance to cover it here this week. Uh, off Memorial Day, off last night. Uh, Tuesday was Rankum. Tomorrow night will be Rankum. So want to squeeze uh, all of that in. Because it was actually a pretty good show. And obviously, you know, the ending was phenomenal. I mean, it was great. So it's exactly what we expected. Speaking of great, the Atlanta Braves. Still maintaining, along with the Tampa Bay Rays over the Baltimore Orioles, the biggest division lead. Um the leaders now, the Rays over the Orioles are number one. Um, Braves are number two with a three-and-a-half game lead over the New York Mets. But when you look at what's coming up in the month of June, you know, the Braves have had a pretty tough schedule, all things considered. You know, they they have played some really good teams, right? They've played the Padres multiple times. We've had our home-and-home home with the Padres. The Astros, the Baltimore Orioles. Texas Rangers, L.A. Dodgers. We just saw the Philadelphia Phillies here a couple of weeks ago. We were supposed to have a five-game series up in New York that only turned out to be three games. Now, we've had our dregs as well. Kansas City, Cincinnati, you know, Washington, uh, Miami. You know, we've had some Boston, you know. Um, We've had some of our dregs as well. Oakland, for sure. But when you look now consistently, What this next month is going to be is a real chance for the Atlanta Braves to separate themselves from some of the other teams in the Eastern Division, right, in the NL East. Now, I won't go salicata and say, you know, the division's over and this, that, and the other. You know, won't go to extremes like that. But the Braves in their first two series here in the month of June – They play the Arizona Diamondbacks and the New York Mets. they got six games against those two teams. Those two teams right now are a combined 64-50. and Now, the Mets are going to come here. It's going to be a big series, going to be a big weekend series. Sorry, not big weekday series. Kids are off school. Should be a lot of fun. New York Mets always, you know, we got lots of Mutz fans here in, in Atlanta. By the way, have that sound, have that extended uh, um, uh, Met song for us next week, right? But you look at Arizona, New York, sixty-four and fifty, and then the next five series after that: Washington, Detroit, Colorado, Philadelphia, Cincinnati, Minnesota. That's not Murderer's Row. Those are the next five series that the Braves play. Two of those teams are in last place. The combined record as of right now, tonight, today, the combined record of those five teams that they have series against, Washington, Detroit, Colorado, Philadelphia, Cincinnati, Minnesota. Well, that's actually six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Sorry. Those six uh, teams. Uh, and who's the one that I forgot uh, on this list? 
Um, and Minnesota does lead their division, but they're only 29 and 27 on the year. They're not exactly, you know, lighten, uh, lighten things up. Um, Cincinnati is, yeah, 25 and 31. So 25 and 31. Sorry, Data, I had to do some, some quick math uh, figuring here. Those six teams that they play are a combined 154 and 181. You have you have a couple of last place teams in there. Um, none of those teams are above 500. Well, I should say Minnesota's above 500. Two games above 500. Washington's dregs. Tigers are dregs. Colorado's a last place team. Phillies are can't get out of their own way. Cincinnati's a very average to below average team. Minnesota leads their division. They've got power. They've got a lot of guys, you know, Sano and uh, Buxton and, you know, Kepler and guys like that. They've got a lot of power on that squad. But, and you're going to play them at home, so it's not like not like you're going, you know, to that, what what is it, uh, Target Field, I think is where they, they play now. It's not the Minnesota. Homer Dome. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, it's Target. It's not, the, not the Homer Dome uh, anymore. It's. It's outside of ballpark and uh, it's target field. But 154 and 181 is the combined record um, for these teams. And so when you look at that, this is a real opportunity to make some separation in the division. Now, obviously, we'll see the Mets at home. We'll see Washington at home. And then we have to travel to Minnesota, sorry, to Philadelphia. And by the way, Miami is actually, and I'm not going to count Miami because they are technically the the they they have more games in July than they do in June. They've got Friday, June 30th, and then Saturday, July 1st, Sunday, July 2nd. So none of those teams are exactly San Diego, L.A., Texas, things like that. It's not exactly a murderer's row in the month of June, and you're going to play arguably the best team that they'll play all month right here at the very beginning, June 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. And Soroka versus Zach Gallen is going to be a very interesting pitching matchup. Morton and Strider are going to be your two starters. So um, before they uh, come home to take on the Mets. So June has a lot of opportunity. And, and we talk about this with the Atlanta Hawks, right, that – Again, they didn't take advantage of their schedule at the end of the calendar year when they had that 19-game stretch against a lot of bottom-feeding teams. They didn't take advantage of it. The Braves have been so good at, uh, on the road, 18-9 and nine on the road, but there's a lot of opportunity to take advantage of this schedule and maybe, just maybe, start to separate yourself from some of your other division foes, right? Again, it's not like the Mets are a, a great team by – any shakes, they were paid to be a great team, but they're only three games above 500 right now. So they're not exactly setting the world on fire. Three and a half games back, but they have a minus six run differential. They've won three in a row, give them credit for that, but they have a minus six run differential. And that's why you kind of flounder around in no man's land instead of putting your foot on the gas and being an elite team. But that's the mutts for you. I mean, that's what they're... Mo is, and they're good at home, fifteen and nine. I mean, they're they're not a bad um, you know home team. And and the funny part about the Braves is, 
Braves are only 15 and 14 at Truist Park this year. 15 and 14. So this would be a time to pad that resume, pad those results, all those kinds of things. That this month opens up. And then, you know, listen, you start to get into July as well. Okay. Um, They've got Miami. They're in Cleveland, in Tampa Bay. You know, the competition starts to get itself up. But it does feel like, you know how we talk about like moving day is a Saturday in the world of golf and a tournament? Okay. Maybe June is moving day for the Braves in a positive way. In a positive way because the schedule lightens up. Things look like they could be a little bit easier. And again, I know we just lost two out of three to Oakland, the most disastrous franchise in all of Major League Baseball. That was not pretty. The fact that they lost two or three games and, you know, had to hang on, you know, for a victory yesterday. And and they were, listen, they've been a team that's pouncing on starting staffs all year long. Hit home runs early, get guys on early, drive in runs early, and get out to a lead. Get out to a 2-0, 3-0, 4-0 type of lead and then, you know, let your starting staff and then your bullpen take things over. So this schedule in the month of June, um, and I and look, even Colorado, you get them at home. They're not a very good basketball team. Sorry, not a very good baseball team. They're coming into Truist Park, so you don't have to go in Colorado or anything like that. Really, the only trips that you've got at Cincinnati, at Philadelphia, at Washington, or sorry, not at Washington, at Detroit and Arizona. What is that uh, in Detroit? Comerica Park? It's not Tiger Stadium anymore. No, Tiger Stadium. They actually just took that down. Did they, they really? The original? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I think they just, because, you know, for the longest, it had been sitting there just because it's not downtown. It's kind of a mm-hmm. little, just not too far from downtown. It had been sitting there empty for quite a while, and I believe they just took it down. Um, A lot of history in that ballpark. Yeah. Like tons of history. Yeah, yeah. Like that's one of the more historic ballparks in baseball history. And I think now it's Comerica Park, and that what, what the park is now that they that they play in. Could never keep these names straight with the, all of this, but no. Again, look, these first two series are, you know, could end up being a tone center, tone setter for the month. You know, you come out victorious, two out of three against Arizona, two out of three against the Mets, and then the whole world starts to open up, and those doors start to open, and the sun starts to shine in. After what's been a tough schedule, I don't know where the Braves rank as far as. Toughest schedules to this point, but a third of the way through the season, the fact that they're three, four games um, in the division lead says a lot about how good and deep this this team really is because it has been a tough schedule. Hasn't been very easy to this point, but things will certainly lighten up when we get uh, to June. And this team is bashing all over the park, man. They're, I mean, Matt Olson's been bashing it. Obviously, you know, Ozuna is... Dare I say, again, Ozuna is a candidate, a serious candidate for player of the month in June. Or, sorry, in May. He's a serious candidate to be a player of the month in the month of May. Think about that. For as bad as his April was, for as dreadful as his April was, he's got now got a chance to be the player of the month in the National League for the month of May. Speaks to how good that he has been. And that's, and that's been good news for the Braves, right? Good news for the Braves organization. We talked about this, that, you know, it's not just a matter of Ozuna 
you know, getting better and all this, that, and the other, because I don't think the trade market is there because he's still owed a whole nother year of salary. But it's good news because the Braves win, right? When he's hot, the Braves win. Braves find a way to get it done. So let's hope that that streak comes into June as well. Let's hope that that lasts a little bit longer than, you know, you know, just, you know, a handful of games. Because April was dreadful for Marcelo Zuna. Like, dreadful. Like, one of the worst things I've ever seen from a guy. So, we'll see what happens. But certainly, June is going to be an interesting month. And maybe it's moving day in the month of June. All right. When, uh, when we get back, we'll be time for That's Life. I've got a couple of updates, Day Day. Uh-oh. And then we'll get to our top ten as well. Chuck in the Key Studios. Sports Radio, 1990 Game, Odyssey.com. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. Back at it, John Chuckery Show. 920 in the Kia Studios. You know what time it is. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. 404-741-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Um, <clears throat> all right, Day Day, couple follow-ups. Remember how we talked about the guy that was uh, caught on video? Um Helping a bison calf oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. in, the, in then, Yellowstone. Yeah, and they were saying he did he he got arrested or he might get arrested or something he like was, that. He was supposed to turn himself in, I guess. I think I right. think that he turned himself in, but um, he was accused of helping a calf cross a a riverbank and right. all that. And you can't interact with the wildlife, right. right? Because they tried to reunite the calf, the bison calf, with its family, but it didn't work. And the bison calf was following people around and all this good kind of stuff because they know they're, they don't have to fear people now. Well, they had to euthanize the calf wow. uh, because it was becoming right. a danger too, right? We talked about all that. Right. All right. Well, this guy is from Hawaii. Um, Clifford Waters of Hawaii pled guilty to one count of feeding, touching, teasing, frightening, or intentionally disturbing wildlife before U.S. Magistrate Judge, excuse me, Stephanie A. Hambrick. Waters was charged a $500 fine. He has to make a $500 community service payment to Yellowstone Forever Wildlife Protection Fund, a $30 special assessment, and a $10 processing fee. So there you go. We got a fine uh, so for all of Almost it, so. $1,100, $1,200, something like that. Sounds um, like. Yeah, yeah. I mean,. Yeah, yeah, almost eleven hundred dollars for yeah, it. Yeah, for not for trying to help. Yes, but 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 he shouldn't have. You you have to let you have to let the strong survive. Yeah, right. And, yeah. and again, you saw the ramification. Listen, in all honesty, what if that bison's mother had all of a sudden seen that guy and came and, charging and, at him? Right, yeah. and and again, you would have gotten a you'd have gotten a gore. He wouldn't have, he wouldn't have had to gone before a judge. Because there wouldn't be anything left of him. Right. You, you, would, you would have him in a Tupperware he'd dish. He'd be gone before the morgue. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> the mortician. Like, right, right. Like he'd, he'd be in a in, in one of those, 
you know, plastic boxes that has the tote, the, the plastic tote boxes. Right. <laughs> That'd be all that would be left of him. So um, he's got to pay $1,100 in fines. Now, this one's even better. So we talked about this last week, Al Pacino. Mm-hmm. Al Pacino. He is going to become a father here very shortly at um, the age of 83 years old. Okay? Amazing. Well, um, Al Pacino, according to reports, and this is probably TMZ, he has asked his girlfriend, Noor, Noor Alfala, who he said is 29 years old, he's asked her for a paternity test. So they are not announcing Pacino and this Alfala. They are not announcing any commentary about the baby, right? We saw, we saw, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Robert Redford. Ro- no, I mean, no, no, uh, um, Robert uh, De Niro. I mean, De Niro, we, yeah. we saw Robert De Niro come out and say, yes, I'm a father now and right. all this, that and the other, right? Okay. But they're not coming out and saying anything about it. So how did this report initially get out then? I, I don't. I'm, she I'm must sure, have told I'm somebody. I'm sure somebody, yes. Somebody she said something to told somebody. somebody yeah. So she's eight months pregnant. So supposedly she willingly took the paternity test, which ruled that Pacino is indeed the father. He was reportedly not aware she was pregnant up until two months ago and was shocked after learning the news. I mean, you would be too. Who thinks that thing still works? Well, but again, <laughs> if if you, again, if you're a male and unless you are sterile, you don't shoot blanks. <laughs> well, I mean, you, true, you, may, you may have trouble, you know, doing things, but... Unless you're registered sterile, you still are potent. Like that's the benefit of guys, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. women don't get pregnant necessarily at 60 years old, right? I mean, right. their change of life and menopause and everything like that that doesn't allow them to get pregnant. But if you're a man, pew 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 pew. pew. <laughs> I mean, you can you can have you know you can have a herd of calves, right, right? Right. You can have a herd of bison calves. Unless it's, unless it's a case of him thinking there was protection uh, involved and in that not having oh, been the listen, case. Listen, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Okay, eighty-three years old, brother, <laughs> brother, Protect, brother. Right. I ain't rapping nothing. Hua, hua, yes, uh. <laughs> Yeah, that's the, let me tell you, the, the only protection that he needs is a pacemaker, okay? That's the only right. thing he's protecting. He's got a, he's got a, he's got a, you know what his protection is? It's a defibrillator. That's what he's got beside his bed. He reaches into his drawer and he's got a CPAP mask. Not any kind of, you know, prophylactics. 83 years old, brother, listen. He's probably just celebrating the fact that he got it up. Hoo-wah. What's this? Hoo-wah. <laughs> it works. Yeah. It's alive. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You're part of something special there, Sonny. Anyway, um, but his, you know, girlfriend or whatever at 20. Listen, we talked about the fact that she dated Mick Jagger and all this kind of stuff. I promise she's in it for the payday. Oh, yeah. That's, without that's, a she's, doubt. She's, she's in set. it. She's set. She's in it for the payday. He'll write one check and be done with it. Oh yeah, again, yeah. I mean, look, he's not gonna marry her. Yeah. They're not gonna get married. Huh. Okay, not gonna get married. He'll he'll put her in the will. I'm about to say he'll that, make sure that, she's written exactly, in, that, and that she'll she'll get her monthly stipend and all that good kind of stuff. 
I'll, I'll, I'll bet you like this, okay? In three months, they'll be broken up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She'll hit, she'll hit him with the, we just, I just don't know yeah, we how we apart. can. Yeah. Yeah, right. We grew apart. Yeah. We, we grew apart. Really? 83 and 29, huh? How much life experiences do you both have at the same time, you know, to be able to talk <laughs> right. about things? Yeah. I mean, listen, all about dating younger women and this, that, and the other, but there is a limit. What's the rule? It's like half your age minus seven. I don't even know. I mean, and don't get me wrong. My wife is younger than me. She's six, five and a half years younger yeah, than my, me. Yeah, my wife but, was older than me. Right. So, but I'm not, you know, beyond that, I, I just don't. I mean, I'm, and I'm not knocking anybody that does it, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, again, you're, you're, it doesn't matter if you're older, she's younger, whatever. I mean, and vice versa. You're attracted to who you're attracted to. But, however, okay, you're 83 years old. And you're dating a 29-year-old. I mean, God bless you. God God bless you for dating a 29-year-old. But you also know what you're getting yourself into, right? Yeah, yeah. That was the thing Wilt Chamberlain talked about. He's like, you know, a lot of these girls were looking to cash in, right? Hmm. That Yeah, Wilt, Wilt had the yep. 20,000 number and all that kind of stuff, but they were looking to cash in. Yep. And, and that's a real thing. I mean, again, when you date Al Pacino, when you're 20-something years old, Dating Al Pacino and Mick Jagger, right. brother, you're in it for one reason. Yeah, exactly. You're in it to win it. Yep. You're in it. You got to be in it to win it, right? Mm-hmm. And you got to and you got to just okay. I, I guess I'll do the dirty deed. Yeah, but I wonder what her friends say. Oh, they know she's. I, I guarantee her friends say, "How much money are you gonna get? <laughs> How many vacations are we gonna take now? Does he have any brothers? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Whoa. Anyway, all right. Today is National Game Show Day. So tonight's top 10 list, our top 10 favorite game shows of all time, Day Day, the floor is yours. All right, so I don't really watch them today, um, so I don't really have a recent one on here, but growing up, uh, Family Feud was always a fun mm-hmm. one. Uh, Wheel of Fortune was always a cool one for me. Um, Price that's is Right. On. That's still yeah, on TV. Yeah, Wheel of Fortune is still well, on. Well, so Price is Right is yep. too, yeah. Family, uh, well, Family Feud with Steve Harvey. Yeah. Um, Richard Dawson or Steve Harvey? Richard Dawson was funny because he was um when you go back and look a at pervert. old yeah yeah, old, he was a yeah 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 he'd all but make out with one of the daughters yeah. on, on the on the panel right yeah i mean yeah. he was a pervert yeah let's face it i mean that's that's what he was he was a yeah. pervert so uh going top, back and seeing that it was are, like top five answers are on the board let me have a kiss from you darling right uh, deal or no deal with Howie? That's probably the most. I mean, recent no, one. That, meaning, that's, yeah. I mean, listen. That was that was actually looking back now. Mm-hmm. That was a very entertaining. Yeah, it show. was. Like it was a, that was a very entertaining. And, and look, and it, and it's funny too because he's the big germaphobe, right? Right. So he right. Won't, won't shake anybody's <laughs> yeah. hand or you know. I, I don't even yeah. know. Did, he didn't even fist bump, did he? I don't think so. Like, I, mean, I like, think yeah, I think he was very like contactless. Would try to hu- yeah, yeah, people like would like try to hug him, mm-hmm. and he's a big germaphobe. Yeah, yep. Um, some real old school ones here: uh, Hollywood Squares. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The original, the original. Yeah, when they actually had real yeah, celebrities. The, right. And well, again, before Whoopi and all. Right. That kind yeah. Of stuff, like right? way back. Yes. Like uh, what's my girl's name that had the show? Carol Burnett and all of them would be. Yeah. All Peter Marshall was yeah, the host. Yeah. Paul Lynn in the center square. Yeah. George Goble, like yeah. those kinds of people. Yeah. Uh, Double Dare. 
Okay. Um, the newlywed, yeah, Nickelodeon. Um, the newlywed game was always pretty funny. Yes, you know, the couple trying to. They, they, again, in in that era of television. Yeah. You could have it unscripted, and people did not know what you were going to say. Yep. And so just to see those couples not knowing yeah. stuff about yeah. each other right. and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, and then the dating game where it'd be the the bachelor, it'd be bachelor or the bachelorette. Great Jim Lang. Yep. With with some of the worst suits of all time, <laughs> right. with the bow tie and everything like that. Yep. That, um, game, that game, I believe, was uh, started by um, Chuck Berry. Yeah, Chuck, the, the, he started the dating it, game, the gong, the gong show. show. Yeah. He and had like three or four. He did. He had he had several game shows that yeah. he started. The other big guy that was in that was a pioneer of game shows was Merv Griffin as yes, well. Merv yep, Griffin had yep. um, he I think he had Wheel of Fortune. Yep. Um, did he have he Jeopardy? Had, yeah, he had Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. Okay. Yep. So and which speaking of which, I'd have Jeopardy and the Gong Show rounding out my list. All right. Um, I don't have some of the traditional ones that a lot of people have. So um, number one, the original Hollywood Squares, mm-hmm. fabulous, fabulous. I had the Newlywed Game um, as well. Um, I had Family Feud, and I love the Richard Dawson era of Family Feud, and that and that's one of the great theme songs <laughs> yeah. of all time. Yeah. So, um, Tic Tac Doe. Oh, I great forgot about that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got Deal or No Deal on my list as well. Um, card Sharks. You I remember, do remember Card, card Sharks? Shark. Yes. Yes. Higher or lower? Uh, yes, I okay. do remember that. Um, the great Jim Perry was the original host, not the pitcher. Not Gaylord Perry's right. brother, but the Canuck Jim Perry with the black hair, the perfect black hair. He was the original host. And then Bob Eubanks hosted the uh, – uh, no, did I have that – was Eubanks the first or second host? Jim Perry was the original host. Right. I believe Jim Perry was the original host um, of that. Um, high Rollers. I don't remember that one. So they had the big table, and they would roll those big dice across it. Do you know who the host was? No. Uh, Alex Trebek. Oh wow! Okay. Yes. So that was his first. Was that his first game I show? I believe it. I believe it was. Look that up. But High Rollers, I believe, was his first game show. And then I think he did one other game show, in between High Rollers and Jeopardy. I think that I think that he did one game show in between that. So I can't necessarily remember. And 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 this is this is super easy. My two favorite game shows of all time, okay? Number two, without question, Pressure Luck. Pressure Luck's one of the great yeah, game shows of all time. The uh, uh, Peter Tamarkin, the late, great Peter Tamarkin, he is, I, I don't, ooh, gosh, start killing off Peter Tamarkin. I do believe that he is no longer with us. Um, maybe he is still alive. Um, uh, yes, no, he died in 2006. Okay, yeah, so I, I thought he he died he died fairly young, but um the great Peter Tamarkin, Pressure Luck is one of the great game shows of all time. And if you watch that episode of where they where they found a way that that guy found a way to cheat uh-huh. the Pressure Luck board, it's one of the most fascinating stories of all time. Okay. What did Trebek do? All right, so he hosted The Wizard of Odds first. That was okay. uh, 1973. Okay. Uh, then he hosted Merrill Heater, Bob. Oh, uh, then he hosted uh, High Rollers. Yes. Following. Um, yeah, that was Wizard in the early eighties, late seventies, early eighties. I believe. Yeah, it. Uh, he was there. He had two stints. He was there from seventy four to seventy six, and then seventy eight to eighty. Yeah. So I, I remember the seventy eight to eighty uh, okay. version. Um, 
What did he host in between that and Jeopardy? Uh, what did he host between that and Jeopardy? Uh, let's see. After High Rollers, he went to Double Dare. Oh, okay. Yep, he was on Double Dare, but it wasn't the Nickelodeon Double Dare. No, that was, I remember the Double Dare show. Yeah, and then after Double Dare, it looks like he was on a show called uh, The hundred the 128,000 Questions. Hmm. It was recorded in Toronto. Well, he's a Canuck, um, yeah, so yeah. makes sense. Because, um, I mean, he started on Jeopardy in the mid-'80s, yeah. I believe. I believe 86 or something like that, 86 or 87, when yeah. he started on Jeopardy. Let's see, 80, where's Jeopardy at? Okay. Man, he did a lot. He did Battlestars, uh-huh. uh, Pitfall. Man, he did a lot before he got to Jeopardy. Well, anyway, my number one game show of all time, without question. It's the best game show of all time. It has the best game show host of all time. And it has the best game show theme of all time. It's the Holy Grail trifecta of, you know, the the triple crown of game shows, Match Game. Match Game is the greatest game show in the history I don't remember. I don't think I oh remember Match Game. Oh, my God. I mean, um... Uh, What's his name? Uh, Charles Nelson Riley, Fanny Flagg, um, Betty White. Um, what's her name? Uh, oh, God, the, the woman that was married to Jack Klugman. Uh, Brett Summers, Brett Summers, um, Nipsey Russell. Like, that's the greatest game show of all time. Okay. And, and Gene Rayburn is the greatest host of all time. And that's the best theme song. That's the greatest game show theme of all time. So, match game far and away, number one. All right, Jason Longshore joined us earlier in the show. What he had to say about Atlanta United, up next. Chuck Rinnicky Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio, 92.9, the game back at a Chuck show, hanging out in the Kia Studios Thursday night with you. 404-741-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Well, Annie United, um, some good, some bad. 3-3 draw at home against uh, New England. Now they uh, await to take on LAFC coming up on Wednesday, June 7th. So no match this weekend. They will be on the road, and then uh, they'll be coming home on the 10th on that Saturday against D.C. United. I'll be here. or Sorry, I will be at the uh, the game. So let's head out to the WadeFord.com hotline, Atlanta's Ford dealer. Let's talk to our buddy and all things color analyst for Atlanta United, Jason Longshore. You can follow him on Twitter, at Longshoe, and uh, he'll have the call of the match coming up next uh, Wednesday from L.A. Uh, that's a 10 o'clock pregame 10.30 kick, Jason and uh, Mike uh, Mike Connie will have the uh, call for all of that. Jason, as always, buddy, appreciate a few minutes tonight. No, thanks for having me on, as always. Where will they put you up in L.A.? Where are you going to be staying? 
Don't know yet, actually. Um, this was the game that was supposed to be this weekend, but LAFC is in the CONCACAF Champions League final. Mm-hmm. They lost uh, last night 2-1 in Mexico, and they play Sunday night against Club León. And then we see them on Wednesday, which makes it really hard to predict what LAFC we're going to see next week. So, you know, last night, obviously, I mean, is, is this become the stat of the year I saw this stat that eight goals in the 89th minute or later of matches this season. I mean, is that the most defining stat for Atlanta United this season? There's a bunch of crazy numbers this season when it comes to Atlanta United. Um, These three, three draws, I am begging for no more of them this season. Uh, They are exhausting and chaotic and crazy. And we've seen two of them in the last three games. Um, This game last night was nuts. I mean, Atlanta United scored goals late this season too. Mm -hmm. And they've conceded goals late this season. When you get into like, points gained or dropped and and Mike Connie had the stat they're zero they're they're even this year in terms of points gained and dropped with those late goals because they've won games late and they've lost points late and this last night after such a comeback after a gift of a goal at the beginning and then you chase the game you have opportunities you don't score you get hit on the other side didn't defend well you're down two nil at the break and they get three, and the third one is a wonder goal from Miguel Berry, and then it's wasted in a late goal that, again, it was a defensive breakdown and losing an individual duel. Uh, by the way, Jason, it's Mike Connie, um, just so you know, you pronounce it uh, correctly. So C-O-N-N-I, yes. Um, we have to get it right. Um, anyway. I'll, have to, I'll have to practice with you next time. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, anyway. Um, look, Jason, you know, it, it will – they will have only had one win over the last six weeks. And we know that the start that they got off to, it was one of the best starts in club history, right? I mean, just, you know, they were fantastic and they were taking care of uh, points at home and this, that, and the other. But it doesn't feel like, like that feels like a lifetime ago. It, it feels like you've only won one match in six weeks on the calendar. I, I don't, you know, it just seems like a frustrating stretch here that we're just, kind of just a middling kind of team right now over this last month and a half. It's maddening because of what it could be. When you look at this overall record out of 16 matches, Atlanta United's lost four games all year. And you look at, you you hear that. and That's good. That, that is a good number. That's good. Six draws, not good. And some of the draws late goals to lose games. that should be in the win column. Not good. The The biggest issue, and, and look, we've had this conversation, I feel like, since 2017 when the team launched. This has always been a club that wants to score goals, that, that wants to get numbers forward, that goal scoring is at a premium. I mean, go back to 2019 when Frank DeBoer's team was on an epic winning streak and clean sheet streak, and that was not good. That was not received well because it was low scoring. Well, these games are high scoring but they're not good enough defensively right now to make 32 goals, most goals in the league, two goals per game, straight up two goals per game. This team defensively right now is not good enough to make that hold up. When you get three goals in a match and they've done it twice out of the two out of the last three times out, three goals should be three points. And it hasn't been. 
and that's why you are where you are. But you do have to keep things in mind. Atlanta United is eighth out of 29 teams in MLS right now. They're, they're fifth in the Eastern Conference. They're four points out of second place in the Eastern Conference. As middling as it feels, as frustrating as it feels, a win on Wednesday really changes things up. And that's what you have to keep focusing on if you're in that locker room and you're preparing for these matches when you're at Land United. Jason Longshore on the waitfor.com hotline as we uh, talk about all things Land United as they get ready for LAFC coming up in uh, on Wednesday, sorry, uh, June 7th. I guess the silver lining, though, is is that for Atlanta United, you don't feel like they're out of a match because of Yakimakis nope. and, and some of these you know players that we have that can score on a moment's notice, and they always fight. I mean, they they don't give up. They don't they don't throw in the towel and and let two nothing become four nothing, right? I mean, they they fight, but they can always come back and win. I guess you know that's what we have to point to as far as the silver lining goes, right? Yeah, and that's that's the other element of this that you do have to keep in mind. And I feel like we we talked about it on the road in Orlando at halftime in a game where Atlanta really struggled to, I, I think, get into a rhythm in that one. Orlando played well defensively. Atlanta just kind of struggled until you got into the, the second half of the second half and things started to, to string together. But you have to have that belief. This team scored in every game. They've, they haven't been clean-sheeted this season. Um, they're in every match because of Yakamakis, because of Almada, because of that fighting spirit that is in this group. That's why the defensive issues at times are so confusing. And I don't know why that fighting spirit shows up so well in the attacking half of the field. But on that last play last night where Carlos Heel gets an opportunity. He advances. They force him to play the ball out wide. All that's fine. The cross comes in. It's fine. Barata doesn't clear it far. He clears it out of the 18, but it falls to heel. All right. At that stage, talk about fighting spirit the other way. That's where fighting spirit has to show up on the defensive side because you can't let the opponent's best 1v1 player have a 1v1, and that's what he had. Yeah, it's a, it's a clearance that falls to him. You know, it's not like the team just stopped defending entirely, but that ball falls to him. The awareness, the 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 panic, in, in a way, has to hit, and players have to go flying out to make heel not be able to get the one v one that he wants. He beats Ibarra in the one v one, and Ibarra has been one of the better players in MLS this season in duels and winning those duels. They get beaten a 1v1 with a great player. It shouldn't have been a 1v1. That fighting spirit has to show up on the defensive side as much as it's shown up on the attacking side. So is it a matter of, you know, skill people? Is it a matter of, you know, effort at times on defense? I mean, you know, does something have to change? I mean, not just, hey, we need to play better, but – can anything be done to shake up what our defense is? I mean, is there any kind of alignment or anything that we can do differently that, you know, allows us to be a better club? Or does it just come down to want to and effort? I think want to and effort doesn't capture it. And I know that's the easy fallback, and I get it. I totally understand it. But I don't think you can say that there's effort in part of the field and not effort on the other and want to in part but not in the other. 
I think it's that mindset when you're in that situation, the 3-2 game of we can't let them have another shot. And that's a tough transition. When you are a team that is as good as this team is in, in the attack and has players and has defenders that love to get forward and contribute in the attack and everything is based around that side of it, the switch has to be flipped, and it's really easy to say and hard to do in that you have to be that gritty defensive team in those moments where that's what the game calls for. When you start changing personnel, I don't think it's a system thing. I don't think it's a tactical thing. I don't, I'm not buying any of that because when you look at a lot of the metrics about the way this team defends, they're disruptive. Teams don't pass at a high percentage against them. Teams don't get into the final third often against them. They're in the top five in the league in that. They're very good in a lot of defensive metrics, but the few opportunities that they give up, too many of them are ending up in the back of the net. And I think when you start to change personnel, you can lose some of what you get on the attacking side that makes the team so good there. And maybe you gain on the defensive side, but you have to gain enough on the defensive side to make up for that. And that's a tough balancing act for a team that, you know, you look at that start and you mentioned it as good as they were in the start. When you started to have injuries, you started to have sure that international call-up week, lose to Columbus, and the lineup started to shift a little bit, it's hard powerful. to gain that continuity. So when you start to change the lineup, change personnel, searching for something, you can lose more of the rhythm, more of the chemistry, and lose some of the good things that this team has this season as well. That's a really tough balancing act, and I don't think there's an easy answer to it. Last question for you, Jason. Um, is Yakimakis the best goal scorer that we have seen other than Joseph Martinez? Take Joseph out of it. Nobody's Joseph Martinez. But is he the best pure goal scorer that this franchise has had other than Joseph? Yes. Uh, that's easy answer, yes. And I think over time – he might maintain that kind of a level. I mean, he's on a goal-scoring pace that is ahead of Joseph Martinez mm -hmm. right now. It's very early, early days, early stages. But he's a different kind of player. And I think what he gives you is some different ways to combine to get into the final third. And he's never going to be a big assist guy. I think Joseph was starting to develop aspects of this in his game. But Yakimakis is really good at combining and working for others. His, his team awareness is really strong. He'll make a run to open up space for somebody else. He'll lay the ball into space. He'll, he'll hit passes with the right amount of pace, um, a hard pass to signal, play faster, a shorter ball to let someone run onto it, things like that. He's a complete player. But in the 18, he's lethal. And to have somebody like that in this group right now He's been an amazing signing, and it's just when he's on the field, you feel like Atlanta United has an opportunity to score. On Twitter, at Long Shoe, he'll be on the call Wednesday, June 7th. Atlanta United's next match coming up in LAFC. And uh, Jason Longshore, join us on the waitfor.com hotline. Jason, as always, buddy, appreciate it, man. Thanks for a few minutes. We will uh, chat again soon, and uh, if I don't talk to you before, then have fun in L.A. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. You got it. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, and the Odyssey.com app.